Okay, here we go. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? This whole party. Down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Get down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D and D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D and D? Are you ready to get down with some D&D? I know I am, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by the memorable, motivated, and monumental Mad Wizard Merwin. What is up, Sean? Well, I can tell you right now, if I don't get more motivated, I will not be memorable, and monumental will be just me standing there like a monument. So, it's been a rough week writing-wise, but uh, but tomorrow I leave for PAX U, PAX Unplugged, so hopefully that will inspire me. Yeah, I hope it does, too. I mean, it's PAX Unplugged, right? Besides, if you want to be, you know, monumental, you can just do what Amanda Palmer did and, you know, pretend to be a uh, a statue in Philadelphia. And some you can just go, you know, dress up as Apollo Creed and stand next to Rocky. There you go. Maybe I I don't, I don't think I'm going to do that. No, I don't think you're going to do that either. It seems like a bad idea, actually. Yeah, it's a terrible idea, really. <laughs> um, Man. Uh, where that I don't know I, I don't know where that came from everybody I that was a that was a weird one. <laughs> yeah. uh, if it wasn't you know freezing out and and everything it might be different. But I mean you could do Ivan Drago probably. Well yeah I need to lift a little before I try that. But <laughs> you'd have to lift a little to do any of them really right. Well yeah or a lot <laughs> or a lot or oh, get okay. thirty years younger one or the other. Yeah. So um, let's do some announcements now that that strangeness has occurred. <laughs> okay, so uh, the Streets of Avalon Kickstarter, it is coming mid-December. So you'll be hearing um, our original AP of the Streets of Avalon. I'm going to be re-releasing the original one on this feed. On It's uh, the Wednesday Evening Podcast All-Stars feed and on the Misdirected Mark feed coming up starting this Friday. So you'll be able to hear all of that as uh, all those episodes come out. And this is a setting book, a city source book for D&D and OSR-styled games. And there's a bunch of advice and structures in there for running heists, political intrigue-type games, and neighborhood-based adventures in urban areas. And some of the stretch goals will include uh, classes like the... uh, like um, urban classes like a ranger and a barbarian, um, short adventures, and art upgrades to the book. Mm -hmm. So I'm looking forward to that. You added a chunk of it. Yep, I read the first draft of it back in the day and came up with some suggestions to make it uh, a little more meaty. Mm-hmm. And Brett and you went to town, and um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think it's going to be a pretty exciting product. I think so, too. I'm very, very excited about it. So uh, what's our second one? Well, our second one is I have released a trilogy of CCC Adventures that I wrote for wrote for Cold Iron Conventions, which is a Midwest convention consortium that has uh, cons in Milwaukee, Chicago, and that surrounding Midwest area. And Chris, you laid it out and uh, made a nice cover for them. So I uh, thank you for that. And, and did and, the maps inside. And, and the maps. That's right. The maps came out very well. I didn't really so, do the layout. I mean, it's a word template for the most part, but I mean, it's it's functional. But the maps and the cover look nice. Yeah. So these are CCC adventures, so they're legal for adventures, league play. Each of them is a four-hour adventure. And I put the first one up a week or two ago, and I put it up as pay what you want um, for a couple of reasons. One, I wanted people to to see it. Um, Even if you want to throw a buck or 50 cents or a quarter or a penny, 
you can and take a look at it because there are a lot of people that that hear Adventures League Adventure or Adventures League Legal and they just assume that they can't play it for anything else. And you can. There are a lot of uh, AL adventures out there that would be great for any home game to either play it as is, as a one-shot, or to include it in your campaign. So even if you're not an Adventures League player, you can go uh, look up Terror at Soured Manor or just uh, put my name in the search on the DMs Guild and it should come up. And even if you just want to toss a buck uh, in, you can get grab it. All the proceeds that I would be getting for it in 2018, I will be donating to the Alzheimer's Association um, since that is an important uh, charity in my family because of relatives that both my wife and I uh, have had who are suffering from the disease or have suffered from it. So even if you, you know, throw up 50 cents and a quarter of that will go to the Alzheimer's Association. And then if you do like the first adventure, the other two are up there, Death at Peril Island and Redemption at Talos Sound. These are set in the Moon Sea area of the Forgotten Realms, taking you from the shores near Molemaster out into the Moon Sea and then into a haunted uh, cove called Talos Sound. And the feedback I've gotten from them so far have been pretty good, so I'm pretty happy with them. And I you know, appreciate the support and love to hear how people like them. Me too. I can't wait to hear how people like them. I mean, I very much enjoyed working on them. So mm-hmm. I hope that you get to play them and enjoy them, everybody out there. And look at Chris's new map making skills. Yeah, they're getting better all the time. I am uh, sort of adopted that Dyson style of map making because I have Procreate on my iPad and it's so much fun to draw maps. You can actually see a bunch of them if you're part of our Patreon. Uh, mm-hmm. I've been l- releasing them there and on Instagram. Yep. Next thing, basic rules update. So uh, Wizards put out an update for the basic rules. Sean, would you like to tell people how this all went down? Like what's sure. new? Yep. Uh, well, just to step back, uh, when when 5th edition was released, they not only sold all the core books, the Player's Handbook, DMG, and Monster Manual, but they released a basic set of rules for free that anyone could go download. These basic rules cover... The Cleric, Fighter, Rogue, and Wizard from levels 1 to 20, including the one of the subclasses for each. It also provides the Elf, Dwarf, Halfling, and Human as race options. And then 120 spells, 5 backgrounds, character sheets, uh, and so on. And what they've done recently is kind of reorganize those, add any uh, errata that, that they've come up with since then, and kind of made it a little bit easier to... To handle as a free PDF, so yeah, even like even if bookmarks, you, yeah, yeah. So even if you got it back in the day, uh, it's been updated, so you can go. We have a link in our show notes, or just go to the Wizards website, and one of the first articles up there right now is a D and D Basic Rules update, and get the new version. And if you know people who want to play or want to read more, but they don't have the money for the books, just tell them, hey, you can get some of the new stuff. Uh, you know, get the new game right right here. Free PDF. Uh, go to it. It's got part one with creating a character, rules for uh, the character stuff, races, classes, backgrounds, equipment, and other customization options. Uh, part two is more of the DM side of things, how to run the game, you know, the dice you roll, 
resolving uh, character actions, and then describes broad categories of exploration, interaction, and combat. Part three has everything about magic, the spell casting, all the spells. And then part four is uh, stat blocks for monsters, building combats, magic items, and, and that side of things. So it's all right there. Probably if you're listening to this show, you've already got books or you know other you've probably already got your stuff but if you know people that don't and are interested point them in that direction mm-hmm. and by the way the, the layout is so much nicer than it used to be it's very pretty now like right. it looks looks like a D book right yep uh so so that's good i'm i appreciate that quite a bit that they put that out there for people mm-hmm. it's so much easier to read so much easier to look through all that good stuff Right. It's nothing like the SRDs and OGLs of old that were kind of one big text document. It's it's actually looks like a book now. Mm-hmm. All right. The, our last thing for announcements, um, a Gnomes 2 article by Camden Wright, which, by the way, Camden Wright's moving to Buffalo. I can't wait to have him here in town with us. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's coming this nice. way. It's very cool. So uh, the article is, it's the five tips for GMing convention games. Mm-hmm. It's a, if you don't mind, I will just run through the, the five tips real fast. Is that good? Do it. Cool. So number one is know your game. Number two is be an advocate for the players. Number three is be an advocate for the story. Number four is time is precious. And number five is be the leader your table needs. So those are the five tips for being a, uh, for GMing convention games. And he breaks down um, in, in three or more paragraphs each of those tips. And it's a really nice condensed article for how to like get going at a convention game the things to keep in mind and all that good stuff yep it's a definitely a uh d 101 dming at cons 101 uh, some things that even if you're a an expert at running con games wouldn't hurt to read and uh have a refresher mm-hmm, absolutely really good stuff okay let's move on to our main topic then are you good with that john let us do this all right dragon heist episode five Chapter 4, Dragon Season Part 2. I think it's 5. It might be 6. It could be Dragon Heist 6. I, I can't remember. <laughs> Either way, it's Chapter 4, Dragon Season Part 2. So, last time we were here, we talked about this section, which encompassed the um, the rundown, basically, of of the Stone of Galore. And then the Vault of Dragons and how to, you know, all that good stuff. That's that's the overarching part of the chapter. And um, I wanted to talk in specific about how one of the seasons actually function because it's uh it's eight encounters that you run through and they're there there are 10 encounters in this section but the way that they're ordered and the way that they're um described for the different seasons make them very very different uh adventures i guess i should I, that's the best way to put it right yep yep all right so we're going to do the spring season which is the xanathar guild and here's the eight encounters and we're going to kind of like break them down as we go so the first part is uh is going to mist shore because the um uh, what was the name of that creature the the clockwork creature oh the nimble right yes the nimble right the map that the nimble right had on it uh, had it going to grinda garloth who's an eccentric wizard so it's at the the dock ward that's mist shore it's a rundown dock ward and then the um when the player characters arrive uh, grinda is being accosted by the by a bunch of xanathar guild members so now it's like Okay, player characters, what do you do? Let's get some action going on here. So how do you deal with the, you know, Grinda and the fact that she's being attacked? So mm-hmm. it like, starts with a fight, probably, and then you can get to Grinda, and then she will talk to you. And she's this really cool NPC. You want to talk about her a little bit, Sean? Uh, yeah, she, she, well, first of all, I want to talk about 
um, the the whole area because Miss Shore is a really cool part of under uh, Undermountain, yeah, of Waterdeep. Uh, that this is barely described in this encounter. Uh, basically, it is adjacent to the dock ward because of all the ships that washed up or were abandoned in the docks, people started living in them. So it is essentially a a whole other ward of Waterdeep that is on water. And so you are, might travel across a ship and then across a bridge and maybe over a little bit of land, but then on another ship to another ship. So rather than going up and down streets, you're going through ships as you navigate Miss Shore. So you can really play that up uh, and play up the, the terrain if there's a combat, how the deck may give out on you uh, as you're fighting and beneath you is just deep water. So that's the first thing I want to say. The second thing is, you know, Grinda is a great NPC. Uh, eccentric, eccentric wizards are always awesome. Mm-hmm. And she is, she is no exception. Um, she has an apparatus of qualish, which she uses to go to the bottom of Deepwater Harbor and look for treasure. And so that is something that doesn't play directly into the adventure itself, although you can use that as a way to um, to show your characters a good time or to have her only cooperate with them if they do her a favor using this apparatus. So that's a little side quest that you could have some fun with. Yeah, it's pretty neat. I like it a lot. Yeah, you can take it, Chris. Okay, cool. So uh, once you get her on your side, she tells you that her rat familiar um, stashed her stone in her family mausoleum in the City of the Dead, and that is the uh, that's the clue that leads you to the next encounter. But uh, during that fight with the Xanathar Guild, there's a second wave of bandits that show up, and they can be turned against their employer with a promise of payment. But Sean, you noted it in the in our notes, like there's no clue for that at all. Like so, it's on right. the game master really to make sure that, or the dungeon master really to make sure that that is a thing that occurs in play. Yep, and this is just a general design tip. If you put something cool into an encounter, whether it's a combat or exploration, you have to make sure that there is an avenue for the players to get to that cool thing. So, as it says in this text, these the second wave of bandits was paid one gold piece each to have the back of the Xanathar Guild operative who was uh, attacking Grinda to try to get the stone. And they would switch sides if they were paid more. Most players, unless they are tipped off, are never going to go that route. They're just going to mow through whatever's in front of them. So either during the combat or before the combat as the characters explore this area, you might want to drop a few clues about how mercenary these people in the area are how would they do anything for a coin and then during the combat you may see you know one of them dropping the coin into a pouch or something money related that might click in a player's mind that hey we might have another option here yeah the um, the example that pops up for me in my head is like once the first one of these bandits gets killed one of the other bandits is like we ain't getting paid enough for this yep that's that's always a, a good uh a good way to bring money and and payment into into the uh, into the equation. Mm-hmm. So, 
all in all, um, a very strong start to this spring season uh, series of encounters. Mm-hmm. So then it sends you to the the mausoleum, which um, the mausoleum it is a, a ground level and underground crypt map. That's what's there, and something has occurred in spring in the spring version of this. And there's like a little what ha- actually happened section, which is great. I love it. So mm-hmm. the rat was killed by some grave robbers who took the stone. Um, and then there's a clue in the crypt, which there's a shiny steel key. And that is the thing that the player characters need to take and then do something with. Yep. So this is very, um, I, I talk about this a lot in other places and, and a little bit here, the, the idea of the trail of clues. This is the core clue. They have mm-hmm. to find the key. In fact, I don't think there's a check for finding the key. They just find it if they look. And right. then it's like, well, what do you do with the key? And eventually the key will lead them to an Elspar Ulmar, who is a amazingly good dwarven locksmith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to negotiate with her in order to find out that uh, that Elspar uh, made that key for a Volcar Kibbins. And then you also can get his address. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, though, like after, you, after they find the key, the, the pieces are once again ambushed outside the mausoleum by the Xanathar Guild because the Xanathar Guild is all over the place in this, in this spring season. Uh, a couple things here. You want to remember that the City of the Dead is this beautiful park uh, that can be used by commoners, by anyone during the day to have picnics, to walk through. But then at night it's closed and no, you're not supposed to be in there. So it's, it's patrolled by a paladin in this case. Uh, paladin's name is Ambrose. And it, the encounter talks about you know, during a fight, Ambrose may approach and tell everyone, you know, you're not supposed to be here. Just be aware that, be aware as a DM how you're going to handle that. Because if he just rushes in and starts attacking, uh, the player characters may may kill him without thinking. Yeah, or, it, yeah. He wouldn't rush in there and attack anyway. That's not what he should be doing. Like, right. He, he, would, he would want to apprehend them. He would probably call out like a law person would be like, look, lay down your weapons and come quietly or explain yourselves, you know, things like that. What what I'm thinking is more along the lines of he he comes up into the combat or within the vicinity of the combat. It says, you know, you're no one's allowed in here at night. Put down your weapons. And then the the wizard casts a fireball and catches him in it, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. Um, I mean, there should, what I'm saying is there should be consequences if your party does that. Yeah, I, I would actually suggest that you remind the party if you were the dungeon master. Like, remember, murdering people in, in Waterdeep mm-hmm. is a bad thing. Yep. Yeah, that's just, it's one of those story things that could come back to haunt people. Um, and even, even if he is killed by someone else, um, if the party witnesses it, there could be consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's just one of those things outside of the main flow of the adventure that you could keep in mind uh, as as just a a way to make the story deeper. Yes, absolutely. And and I want, I want to just pause for one second and talk about that that whole idea about like the laws in Waterdeep again. Mm-hmm. If the player characters start racking up bodies, even if they are members of the Xanathar Guild, like. That's still them committing a whole bunch of murder. Like they're not. Um, they they will still probably have to defend themselves in some sort of court of law at some point. Yes, CSI Waterdeep. Yep, pretty much. It's it's almost like there's like the, this investigative thing going on in the background then of because um, we've already introduced the uh, that one of the investigators right like right. I can't remember his name but in a previous chapter he shows up so yeah. he could just track the player characters down. Yep, 
And, you know, just as the characters are, are tracking clues to get to what they want, they could be leaving a trail of clues for investigators following them to to track them down to see who it is that's behind this rash of dead bodies in Waterdeep. Absolutely. Uh, okay, so then this leads to the converted windmill, which is where uh, Volcar Kibbins lives. Mm-hmm. So he lives there with a with a roommate, um, Erlaster, and these two were hired by a necromancer named Mirklav to rob graves for skeletons being turned into an army. Uh, they, you can learn all this from these two. Like if you get into a fight with them, once again, killing people is not the thing in this, right? Like you should not be killing everybody, right? Um, and they're more than willing to surrender once they realize uh, they're way outclassed, right? Yeah, I mean these are just two commoners. So at this point, the players are or the characters are you know fifth, fourth, fifth. Some something around there, so they can easily defeat two commoners, yeah. maybe too easily. Now, now the the converted windmill. Um, it's an interesting location. There's a lot to it, but this is only focusing on the uh, the apartment area that Volcar and Erlaster live. But some of the other um, spaces are used in different seasons, mm-hmm. so you can ignore a lot of this really cool map uh, or use it in other places, like later, right? Right. So that's neat. Um, but from talking to Volcar and Erlaster, you find out that that thing that I said about the, the robbing graves for skeletons and that um, they're stationed in a cellar complex that can be accessed through Dandy Mops, which is a powdered wig shop, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. And then uh, and Merklav killed a rat and then took a stone, which the, the both of them believe is magical. Mm-hmm. Uh, so. So now, uh, now I had a question. And sure. Maybe maybe I just missed it. Was Merklav with the two commoners in the in the uh, crypt in the mausoleum or not? Yes, yes, he was. It actually states okay. that Merklav killed the rat and took the stone. Okay, gotcha. Because I th- I thought it was the two commoners that killed the rat and took the stone, and that got me confused about how Merklav got the stone. But if he was there, then that makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. That's it. that's exactly how that went. Okay, and and yeah, like. It should be stressed that killing people is bad so that they don't kill people. <laughs> yes, because especially here, because if they kill these two, there is no lead in the adventure that takes them to uh, the halfling necromancer. Uh-huh. This is seriously, like you said you said it earlier, like this is this is CSI Waterdeep or, or Law and Order Waterdeep. It's got that structure to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you, once you get that information... And you find out about Miraclav and the access to the cellar complex. The next encounter is the cellar complex, and this is a nice little dungeon. And you could actually lift this and write your own dungeon using it if you wanted to. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, there are some changes to the area based on the using the Xanathar Guild and Spring part of it, and that kind of changes depending on the section. But um, in the Spring part of it, there are three Kenku that have already showed up and are trying to cure Miraclav for the stone for the Xanathar Guild. Mm-hmm. So like. There's already a fight that's going on. Um, in fact, Miraclav's two two apprentices are dead. The um, there's Kenku there to fight uh, in this in this area. There's probably a lot of noise going on down there. It's it's sort of an, an uh, in, you show up in media res basically. Like you show up and stuff is happening. Right. And I like stuff like that. I think that's pretty good. It, it sets up a uh, sets up an action sequence, right? Yep. And I love the potential for a three way combat uh, because that gives you as the DM a little more latitude in how much to challenge the characters. So you could have both sides attack the PCs for a bit. Um, 
if you need to ramp up the uh, the difficulty because your players want that, or you can have you know ramp down the difficulty and have the two sides fight each other while the the characters interact with them. Uh-huh. And it's, uh huh. And it doesn't say what spells Mirklev has already cast or not. So like he could cast Raise Dead on his not Raise Dead but you know Animate Dead mm-hmm. on his two slain um, apprentices. And right. then have his own little group there. Plus, there's probably some skeletons around that you could just drop in if you wanted to, right? Because there's yep. already there are two skeletons present, but you could always bring in more if you wanted to, or more Kenku. Yeah. You could make this a really cool yeah. uh, situation if you wanted to. It does say in the adventure that he has expended all his spell slots for the spring. Oh, that's too bad. I well, I'm, obviously you can you can change that. Yeah, but that... I I understand why they say that because they want him to be no threat to the characters so they won't kill him because he's the person that tells them what's next exactly exactly so because then uh, then you find out that Mirklav gave the stone to a kenku who's running away already just gave it to him not very long ago yes like seconds ago Uh uh-huh so that leads to the next encounter which is uh the street chase and this street chase, it's um, it's a super short section. It's theater of the mind. It's outdoors, so you can use the weather effects that are going on. It actually points to using the urban chase complications in Chapter 8 of the DMG in that section. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this encounter, this is this is not great, right? Like, I, you, you, you are going to say this in a second, but um, and it mm-hmm. leads to Encounter 7 as the Kenku appear to take the stone, as Kenku appear to take the stone as previous Kenku carrying it fall. So as, as Kenku are killed, just more Kenku show up to grab the stone because, you know, it's right. got to go to the next encounter. So go ahead, Sean. Okay. So here's what the encounter says. The encounter says the characters basically emerge from uh, the cellars. They see the Kenku uh, running away. They're 60 feet away. Roll initiative, see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I could easily see, you know, okay, roll initiative. Player one, you're the rogue. Go. Well, I use my... Uh, cunning action to move, then my cunning action to move again. Now I'm next to the Kenku, and I kill him uh, through whatever crazy powerful means necessary, even at fourth or fifth level. Oh, okay, well, another Kenku steps out of the shadows, grabs a stone, and runs. Well, I have an opportunity attack. And, uh, you know, and and then, okay, well, another Kenku steps up and grabs a stone. Okay, who's next? Wizard. I cast Charm Person. Okay, well... You've charmed that Kenku. Now, another Kenku steps out, and it could get really frustrating really quickly. Um, so you definitely want to think through this particular scene. Definitely go to the chase complications on Chapter 8 and make put a little bit more work into it if you want this to be a fun and memorable scene as opposed to something that's frustrating. Yes, which if you were if if it, if it was me and and I was running this, it wouldn't be a Kenku running away. It would be a, a flock of Kenku that were leaping around in the streets, right, and then right. tossing the stone back and forth, and maybe even having a couple of fake stones that they're tossing back and forth. There you go. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Make it something memorable, something that the players really have to think about. Uh, use some resources rather than just a quick attack or one spell to end it, uh, you know, really give it some some meat. Mm-hmm. Because the whole point is that the Kenku has to get, with the stone, has to get to the old tower. That's that, correct. That, that this has to lead there. I mean, it doesn't have to. I mean, you could just, yeah. you could just do away with the old tower uh, encounter if you wanted to, right? 
It's true. It's true. Um, and and you again, you don't want to have you know have them in the cellar, and then ten seconds later, oh, there's an old tower there, right? You you want some distance between where they were and the old tower, since that's the next uh, recommended encounter. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that that's how I would do it too. Like make sure make sure it feels like a chase, right? That's the whole point. Yep. All right. So then there's the old tower encounter, which uh, I mean, it's a fine encounter. It really is, but it's it's um, I don't know. Like with that chase right before it, it it's just I don't know. It doesn't feel good, right? Like this this whole thing, this, this sequence feels problematic. Yeah. It's it. It can. It can be salvaged, and it's not terrible. Uh, it just takes a little more work. Um, and the whole, again, let, let me describe what happens. So it, the, the Kenku with the stone runs into an old tower. There are three kids in there that are playing. Mm-hmm. He gra- uh, the Kenku grabs one of the kids, gra- drags him or her upstairs. Squid- Squidly? Squiggly? Squidly. Uh, Squidly. Squidly. Yep. Drags Squidly upstairs and is holding Squidly hostage. And... You know, in a in a movie, in a in a television show, this is can be a very tense scene. In role playing games, especially D and D, these are rarely tense scenes. Um, the characters have too many options to take down the Kenku without e- ever risking the kid's life, or they just don't care about the kid. Correct, and and so. If you want there to be that drama, that tension, you need to ramp it up a bit in some way. Um, there needs to be more consequences other than the life of this street urchin who was playing in this abandoned building. Um, I, I mean, this this encounter, like the the street chase, is kind of the street chase old tower sequence is kind of like the weakest part, mm-hmm. right? This is, right. should really end with the street chase into the alley fight. Because mm-hmm. the next encounter is an alley fight, right? Where the PCs get jumped by a bunch of um, Xanathar guild members. Uh, that that um that that cause a problem because now the street chase matters, right? Like, because the street chase is basically leading into an ambush. Mm-hmm. That makes right. way more sense to me. That's very true. Uh-huh. That's very true. I, I like that. I like that. Yes, do the thing. Yeah, do that thing. So I mean, I would just get rid of that old the old tower encounter. And uh, yep. try to extend the street chase into the uh, into the into the alley. So the alley encounter, the the whole point is, and and really with the street chase, then you can use some of these other characters from the alley encounter in the street chase. Like there's a gazer, and there's been a gazer that's been following them around a lot of the time. And in fact, when you kill a gazer, another one kind of like eventually shows up to, to to spy on them. And gazers are like little beholder holders yep. that can spy for the for Xanathar. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, the alley is you know. Uh, it, it, there's bear traps in it. I love that. <laughs> so, yes. And that works perfect with the chase, right? Like, the Kenkus right. know where the bear traps are, but the player right. characters don't. So you just start with a player character walking into a bear trap. Yep, that slows slows them down. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love that idea, Chris. I love the idea of combining the alley and the chase. Mm-hmm. Definitely do that. Wow, yes. Yeah, and then, then there's, like, some, like, well, you're running along, you're running along chasing this, these Kenku, and, like, well... Make your wisdom perception check, right? Oh, mm-hmm. look, you didn't get a 15. You just stepped in a bear trap. Mm-hmm. Like, something like that. And then you're fighting 
a bunch of kobolds, a bugbear, some Kenku, and an Inflectivar. I mean, it might be too much for the player characters, but you know, they're they're D and D characters. You could you could put up put some herd on them every once in a while, right? Yeah, and since the Kenku are trying to escape, that's even. Yeah, I, 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 yes, I like that. Uh, so then, then you got that going on, um, and after that fight's over, and that should be the time that the player characters actually get their hands in the stone, right? Mm-hmm. Then the stone reveals the location of the Vault of Dragons, which is called the Pink Flump, which that should make Teos Abadiah pretty happy. Hi, Teos. How's it going? <laughs> um, it's a theater, and the, the stone will also reveal the three different keys that are needed to enter the vault. Now, we, we talked a little about those keys last time. I want to talk a little bit more about them because I think they're kind of neat because they, they each have a little bit of a thing that helps uh, that goes along with them because they, they list out the, the 18 different keys that you can use. Mm-hmm. And each of them has like a thing, a little bit of help to, to get you there. So like the bronze dragon scale, it tells of a young bronze dragon that the PCs can approach. Um, one of the other keys could be a gift from a queen, which they mentioned Laryl Silverhand used to be a queen. And, you know, you could get an audience with her and, and like mm-hmm. have a cool little role playing encounter with her to uh to then you know get a, like a, a a feather from her which will be suffices the key and then there's other things like an invisible creature which is basically any creature under an invisibility spell will do mm-hmm. so those are just some three of the examples of the keys and how they work but they all can be a little story right yep and i, I like that a lot i think that's it's fun and it's uh it's malleable and it can extend the adventure if you want it to uh, because all of these can lead to other encounters, and you can throw another Xanathar ambush in there in spring if you want to. Like, you can just build one out uh, as they're moving around. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you or, wanna... yeah, sorry, but or remember that any other of those power groups could be keeping an eye on the characters and, and ambush at any point. Just beat me to it. I was going to be like, there you could have, like, Jarlaxle and Breaking the Earth show up, right? Like, why yep. are these drow here now? Like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, then after that, you go to the theater. Uh, the theater is an interesting place. I, I don't know if you. Uh, I don't know. If, I don't know how you felt about the theater, but yeah, I I think the theater, as as part of the spring season of a series of encounters, it doesn't live up to the what it could be, just because of its role. Um, the theater is. Owned by a woman named Iocasti, and she uh, she owns it because her husband, who was a theater aficionado, bought it but then died. So she doesn't even really like the theater, but she runs it because it makes money. Um, the map of the theater is really super cool, and I want to put it to better use than what it's being used for in the spring. And I'm sure in the other seasons it is, um, but there's a lot going on here uh, in the theater. So, do you want to talk more about what what's happening there? Sure, absolutely. So, Ayacaste, she um she doesn't really care about her theater all that much. She's kind of greedy. So, like trying to involve her in things to help help out is a is a bad idea, right? Like she she's just greedy. Uh, so that's a problem in and of itself. Uh, the vault it's hard to find, and it might be a little bit too hard to get into mechanically. I feel. So that's mm-hmm. a thing too. Like, there's like some some high DCs that you have to roll, or certain spells and things like that. Like, it's assuming you can find it in the first place. Like, you know it's here, but it doesn't tell you like exactly where it is inside this theater. So who knows how long it'll take you to find it? So I think that's a problem, right? Because that's that's like a block to finding the game. I hate I hate when you like need to make certain rolls to like to like break through doors and such, right? Yep. 
Um, yeah, it's a it's a DC twenty perception check. Yeah, and you have to know where to look in the first place. So what I would do is put in some clues somehow, make the DC much lower, um, and give the character some sort of puzzle to um, work through in order to find it. Yeah, I I agree with you a hundred percent. Right, like that's that's exactly how you should do it. This is a great place to do the whole. Um, I don't know if, if anybody's ever seen like National Treasure, like those kind of mm-hmm. like clues. Yes. So like like look on the door to the to the room where this where the the closet is that has the vault um, secret door. Like there's a symbol to Lord Nevermember, right? Like mm-hmm. that's weird. What's that doing there? Like yeah, you and, see that? And and don't I mean you've got this beautiful map with the stage and with these seats. Put the thing on the stage, right? Make it make it memorable and dramatic. Uh, you know, the ropes that control the the curtains that come across. Also, if you, you do them a certain way, open up the trap door and the stage that leads down in. Uh, you know, you could do so much with this big set piece uh, theater, I Com- think. Completely that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and if you want, here's another great place to have a fight. Like, a theater like this... I mean, this might be the place that I dropped Jarlaxle in, right? That seems like the appropriate place for Jarlaxle to show up. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. how gauche is that? Right. I think you gauche know, is the right word. A, a play is going on, and, you know, all of a sudden, Drow are storming the stage. Is it part of the play? Is it not? Uh-huh. You know, what, you know what's going on? What are they doing? And one of the other uh, npcs here is a fairy dragon called wishes love wishes right yep. wishes so iocaste doesn't really care about this theater but her husband who's dead now did very much care about this theater and wishes was his fairy dragon and him yep. and wishes is only still here to try to carry out his uh his, the the husband's legacy mm-hmm. and wishes like he sometimes i think it's a he might be a she i can't remember uh wishes they uh they sometimes they use magic to help enhance the performances um, they don't like Iocaste very much, who Iocaste doesn't like Wishes very much. But Wishes is often invisible, and if Wishes hears, overhears the player characters um, talking about the Vault of Dragons, Wishes will cast Mirror Image on themselves and then appear and then be like, look, if you don't cut me in for some amount mm-hmm. of money, I am totally going to tell everybody that is important in the world what you're doing here. Right, or if the characters threaten the theater or interrupt the play uh wishes will use its magic to mess with their heads yep that too. which could be fun too i agree and so the the one thing that i would do here i think i i think iocaste and wishes are two really great npcs that i don't want to be throwaway npcs you know i want this if i'm running this i want this to be the social thing that the characters have to do. You know, they've been doing combat and they've been doing exploration and they've been, you know, showing themselves to be great at those things throughout all these encounters. Here's where you put them in a social situation. Make Iocaste an important person with lots of influence so the characters can't just run roughshod over her without some pretty severe consequences whether she's whether whether she has criminal connections or just noble connections um make them sweat a little bit in dealing with her i agree 
a hundred percent. Um, and the, and, and, but wait, but wait, there's more. Yes, <laughs> there is more. Yeah. There's a Yalik, uh, it is Amar, but can I, can I say why, why make that name so hard to say? Yeah. What do, let's what call him Yalik. Yalik. So this is an actor who is a harper and, and they're keeping an eye on the characters. And if they hear, overhear the characters talking about the, um, the vault of dragons, they'll get the harpers involved. So now really you want that fight on the stage with the drow and like the characters being badly outclassed by the drow. And then the harpers show up and then you have another three way battle on the stage between the harpers and the drow and the player characters. Oh, I would make it a four way battle because one of the plays that's being, uh, being put on in the spring is meet the good berries mm-hmm. and the good berries are, a, it's a story about a halfling, a comic story about a halfling family. So just make the halflings in the play their own martial group, oh, you know, yeah. a bunch of rogues, a bunch of bandits. Uh-huh. So when the fight gets brought onto the stage, they're up for it. They're ready. They're ready to throw down. Yeah, that's great. So like- now you've got the, the halflings and the harpers and Jaraxel's group and the PCs all just, you could turn that into such a great, and then the city guard shows up. You could make it such a, you know, just such a wonderful, memorable experience for your players. Mm-hmm. And then wishes gets involved, right? Like all this stuff just starts oh, yeah. going crazy. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, you could turn it into a farce yes. quite easily yes, right could. up on stage. Uh, and, and Sean, you mentioned that you love the map and the notes and I, I love the map too. I think it's a great map. Mm-hmm. So, uh, after that, then this should lead to the vault of dragons. And I think that's where we'll stop for the evening because, or this episode, I should say, because next time we'll talk pretty in depth about the vault of dragons and what's inside there. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm a bad person. I forgot to put the new patrons in there. Give me one second. Do, do, do. Oh, Venus. Sorry, sorry. Venus, if you will. I'm so close. Mm-hmm. It's not the right thing. No, it's going to go like that. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying sorry to our mm-hmm. lovely editor. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Well, since that's our show, I wanted to just thank everybody for listening and do a few Patreon shout outs. Eileen Barnes, Scott Robinson, Andy Olson, Brian Kurtz, Christopher Gray, Craig Just Craig, Donnie Harville, Eric Bontz, GM Gerrymander, Jesse Edmond, John C. LeMay, John Carney, Kevin Lovecraft, Merrick Blackman, Mike Dinos, Palidian, P.K. Sullivan, Rob Abrazado, Robert Dorgan, Schmitty, Sean Gilgore, Stephen Farrell, Thomas Bagley, Time Paradox, and Toby Sennett. That is the, uh, the High Queen's Court. And they all have titles and whatnot, which... Uh, I don't have right now. I don't know why, why they're not over here, but I will read them off next time, all of your titles. But thank you so much for being our court. Our $10 patrons would greatly appreciate it. And speaking of patrons, if you'd like to be a patron of Down with D&D, you can click on the link to our Patreon page on the website, and for $2 a month, you can get yourself a shout-out. Um, I've also been drawing a bunch of maps lately and releasing them via Patreon. Uh, I'm trying to learn that Dyson style of map making and, and develop my own, and uh, right now I'm working on one that will actually become a one-page dungeon for you all, because I'm going to so, put some stuff around it. Sweet. Or for $4 a month, not only you get that shout-out, but you also get to see our pre-production show notes. And you have access to our Slack Room for Life, where mm-hmm. we talk to all y'all. Yeah, it's a ton of fun. I love it in there. If you can't help us monetarily, but you want to give us a boost, you can do so with an Apple Podcast review. 
Those reviews help even if you're not listening via Apple Podcasts because many other podcatchers use Apple Podcasts as their way to rate and rank shows, and that would help make us more visible if you could slap a five-star review upon us. All right, buddy, where can we find you on the Internet? You can mostly find me on Twitter at Sean Merwin or on the Down With D&D G Plus community. And if you want to know what the Mad Wizard is up to, you can follow him at Menagerie Wizard. How about you, Chris? Uh, you can hit me up at Misdirected Mark on Twitter or on the website where you can catch other great shows, such as this one. Give me one second. I forgot to do that, too, because I'm bad at this game this week, apparently. Do, I thought I do, did do, all this shit. Do, 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 do. Man, what is wrong with me? <laughs> the Wednesday Evening Podcast All-Stars. Brett, Tom, Kevin, Chris, and Andy get together to play games that get edited down into an audio drama for your ears. Join this crew of All-Star players as they create stories from the games you love. And like I said, you'll be hearing the replay of The Streets of Avalon, which is probably some of the best audio work I've ever done. Down with D&D is a misdirected Mark production. The media arm of Encoded Designs. What are we going to do now, Mr. Mad Wizard Merwin? We're going to go kill some pesky Kenku. On stages. Of course. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D? Down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. You're down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. I'm down with D&D. Yeah, you know me. Who's down with D&D?